0: Those kind of questions we should ask if cops are part of the working class management are workers but they're not part of the working class and they don't get to have unions And I would say the same thing about cops personally I don't think police unions should exist because many of the unique things about the police if they were not to carry weapons and not have all those extra protections and immunities I might not have a problem with them having a union but as things exist now I think it's just not right um, Also, as several Black um, radical intellectuals have pointed out, like um, Bill Fletcher Jr., um, cops are not the problem, but they're merely the tools of the ruling class who are likely to use privatized security, like the Pinkertons in history, who used to be larger than the whole U.S. Army, to do their bidding with even less accountability in the growing trend with card labor. So let's make sure that we understand who our real enemies are and, fight against the abuse of the cops. Thank you. That wraps it up
1: for Labor Radio this Monday and every Monday, 6 to 6.30, and stay tuned for Prison Pipeline.
0: (laughs) To you, the nine-to-fiver Just making your way home To you, the all-night driver Out in your cab alone To you, waiting for lunch break As the minutes drag so slow Take courage, turn the volume up. It's
1: Labor Radio. You're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KBOO Community Radio. I'd like to remind you that this is a great time to become a member of KBOO. Show your support for Prison Pipeline and for KBOO by becoming a KBOO member today. Just go to kboo.fm give. Help us meet our $45,000 end-of-the-year drive goal. We're community-funded radio, so we need your support to get there. Just go to kboo.fm slash give or text KBOO to 44 32
2: Baby, you understand me now If sometimes you see that I'm mad don't you know no one alive can always be an angel? When everything goes wrong, you see some bad. But I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood.
1: Good evening. Tonight on Prison Pipeline, we'll be talking about the case of Matthew Baker, Jr. Matthew Baker is a biracial man who's being held in Henry County, Georgia, on charges of murdering four people. He's innocent of this crime, and the man who has actually committed the crime has admitted to the murders and has said that Matthew is innocent. Yet in spite of that, he's been held without trial for five years. We'll be talking today with Matthew's mother, with a journalist covering the case and also with an advocate.
3: Yes, um, my name is Demita Bishop. I'm an activist out of Atlanta, Georgia. I'm the co-founder of an organization called FAIR, which stands for Fighting Against Institutionalized Railroading.
4: My name is Kaylin Womack. I am an intern and writer at Honeysuckle Magazine. Um, recent graduate of the George Washington University. I majored in journalism and I am one of the most recent reporters
1: to talk about Matthew's case.
5: I'm Angie Lanier and I'm Matthew Baker's mom.
1: Great, thank you. Um, Kaylin, as a journalist who's been covering this story for a while, um, can you help fill us in a little bit with a backstory? How, how did uh, Matthew come to be accused of these Uh, this crime and uh, what is the story of his injustice?
4: Sure, so when I first got the story, I of course did a whole bunch of research into all of the local Henry County articles, um, other local stations in Georgia to try to find some information. And what I came across was over 20 articles giving several different stories of what happened. So over the course of the summer, interviewing Matthew, interviewing his mom, other witnesses, and also attending the motion hearings both virtually and in person. The premise of the reason why Matthew is incarcerated is because the state believes that he acted with intention to aid a man named Jacob Kosky in to murdering four people. So that day, Matthew and three other people, Kayla Head, Brooke Knight, and Jacob Williams, those are his friends. Um, And I'll refer to Jacob Williams as just Williams, so we don't get it confused with Jacob Kosky. Um, Matthew and the other three were hanging out one day and they were invited to a bonfire party by a woman named Mackenzie Jude Walton and her brother Jacob Kosky was at the party. Matthew was familiar with Jacob Kosky, but they really only met each other about two days before this day. So they head over to the bonfire and they're led directly to the back. They don't go through the house, they're led to the back where the um, bonfire is happening. And 15 minutes in Jude walks up to them and asks them to leave. There was some type of drama going on between one of the friends and somebody at the party. So they were asked to leave and they left. Um, Matthew returned home. His mother told him to stay home and also gave him a curfew of when to be home. So the four left the party and just hung out, did whatever. Then Jacob Kosky texted Brooke Knight and told her, hey, I think I'm about to get jumped by six people. I'm in trouble. I'm worried about my sister. Can you come get me and just take me home? Matthew did not want to leave. He didn't really know Jacob well. He wasn't interested in leaving because his mother gave him strict orders to stay home with his younger sister and her baby niece her baby daughter, sorry, at the time. So he wasn't interested in going, but it was just kind of a group decision. Let's go get Jacob, bring him back to his house and then just come back home. So the four of them leave again. Now it's about around 1, one thirty in the morning. They go back to the location where the bonfire is and Kayla Head is driving. She parks the car at the very end of the driveway because her and Brooke are under the impression that they're still not really wanted at the party. So they don't want to pull their vehicle all the way up to the front of the house. So Matthew gets out of the car to go meet Jacob and figure out what's going on. And he walks up the driveway and he meets Jacob. Jacob's wearing a heavy coat um, and he has two armed rifles underneath him. Matthew doesn't see them. It's pitch black, it's really dark. So, He's under the impression that he might have to confront some people at the most, and Jacob basically doesn't say anything when Matthew walks up and he just says, follow me. So they go up to the house, and as soon as Jacob Kosky opens the front door, Destiny Olinger, one of the victims, opened the door for him because it was locked, and he pulled out one of the guns from underneath his coat and opened fire on her. Matthew stood there in shock, witnessing Jacob Kosky proceed into the house and shoot three other people. Um, Two of them were dead on site and the other was rushed to the hospital in critical condition where she died, I think the following morning. After Jacob was done shooting, he looked around for his sister and looked around for anybody else who was in the house and then proceeded outside. And he looked at Matthew and he said, if you say anything, I'll shoot you. So the two of them go back to the vehicle. Kayla, Brooke, and Williams said that they heard shots, but they were just trying to ask them what was going on. We heard the gunshots, what's going on. And Jacob and Matthew were just silent the entire time. So Jacob Koski tells Kayla, just drive the car, just drive. And he's giving her directions as she's driving. And they end up dropping him off at, I think the Newton County line. He gets out of the car and then just leaves. The other four return back to Matthew Baker's home. And Matthew was still in shock, can't speak, clammy, he's nauseous. Um, And the following morning, when his mother returns home because she wasn't home at that point when the four returned back to the house after the incident, his mother returns home the following morning. She wasn't present that night when they got back from the incident. Um, She comes back the following morning and Matthew is about to get in the car with his friends and just go to the gas station. So they go to the gas station and they notice that a police car is following them. When they return to Matthew's home, Matthew gets out of the car and goes up to his front door to go get his wallet. And when he walks back out, police cars have blocked both sides of the street. Their house used to be off of a highway. So they blocked off each side of the street with about four to five police cars. And majority of police, about 10 to 20 cops walk up to the house. Guns armed, telling everyone to get on the ground, and they detain everyone. One detective, now Sergeant LaCroix, um, walks up to Matthew after the detainment is over and starts asking him questions about Jacob Kosky. Matthew explains he doesn't know him, he doesn't know what's going on. And the detective looks at him and says, I need you to come down to the precinct and make a statement. So he brings Matthew down to the station. Um, Matthew is not. Miranda's. He's not told that he's in custody. He's not told that he's a suspect. He's actually told that he is still considered a witness. And he also was not made aware that he didn't have to talk to the police if he didn't want to, that he could have been represented by a lawyer. He could have made a call to his mom if he wanted to. Um, he was just brought down there by himself. Then Sergeant LaCroix proceeded to interrogate him. And in footage from the interrogation that was shown at the latest motion hearing two weeks ago, um, you see that after they're done talking, Detective McCoy gets up and hands him a piece of paper to write down his statement in full. And when he leaves, he locks the door. Matthew doesn't know that the door is locked. And it's not until nine hours later that the door is opened again. And it's a sheriff deputy coming to arrest him for murder. So since then, he's been sitting in county jail. Um, He's just been reindicted this summer. He used to have about 13 charges, which was about the same as Jacob Kosky. Jacob Kosky pled um, pled guilty, but mentally ill. So he was waived from the death penalty, but he was sentenced already. And Matthew was still sitting in county jail. He was reindicted this summer, um, most likely because the DA wanted to apply some pressure into having him sign a guilty plea. And his plea deal is life in prison without parole. So he refuses to sign it still because he believes that he's innocent.
1: So that's where we are now. Thank you. Um, Demita, would you please tell us um, your involvement in uh, justice for Matthew Baker?
3: Yes. um, In March, I got a call from a former boss of mine from when I was in my twenties and he had been following my social media, see all the work I do in prison reform and somehow he got connected with Angie, Matthew's mother. And so he reached out to me, told me about the case and told me that Angie was gonna be calling me, which she did. I um, had a rule that, you know, every time I get a case, I need the discovery so I can see everything that they have on you. At that time, I was also working closely with Seth Penalver and Herman Lindsay, who had been exonerated from death row themselves. And so they were gonna help us work this case and find out if in fact Matthew was guilty or innocent and help him fight back. But um, unfortunately we were not able to obtain the discovery from the attorneys because it's an ongoing investigation. Now there's a federal law that says that when you are facing any type of jail or prison time, you have a right to see everything that they have against you. Um, In the case of Matthew, they're not disclosing anything to, to Matthew, to uh, anybody that wants to help Matthew, his attorneys are being very, they haven't, it doesn't feel like they're really fighting for him. The only thing that they have is the accessory law, the Georgia accessory law. But in the Georgia accessory law, there has to be the word intent. Um, one of the key things I want everybody to know is that Jacob has schizophrenia, he's slightly autistic, and he also has ADHD. Um, in June, Jacob had also sent me a JPay message because inside his prison, they, they were watching my podcast. And he saw that I helped other people and thought, well, maybe she can help Matthew. So he wrote me a JPay message and I sent that copy to you. And in the JPay message, he was saying that Matthew was innocent, that he barely knew Matthew, that Matthew didn't even know what he was about to do, because he didn't even know, because he basically just kind of snapped, because he thought they had stole money from him and that they were gonna jump him or something along the lines of that. So once I saw the JPay message from Jacob, that made me want to fight harder for Matthew. The only way for me to get anything was for me to go to court with them. So Matthew has been sitting in prison for five years. He has not been a trial. Of course, we all know that we all have a right to a speedy trial, so that's one constitutional violation that's been done. Um, What I started doing with Angie is teaching them the rights that their attorney should have been teaching them, having them get everything in writing, write emails to the attorney, keep a paper trail, because in this case, we feel like the prosecution and the defense are working together, and it's almost obvious. Um, So Angie has been complying with that. The attorneys on the other hand are now they tried on several attempts to get me removed from the courtroom, not because I was doing anything wrong, but because I'm pretty much telling them what they don't want them to know. Um, Luckily for us, they also have his hearings on um, Zoom meetings. So when Kaylin's not able to come into Georgia, she was able to watch it from her home state. And so Kaylin and I would watch it and as soon as it was over, we're on the phone and we're comparing notes because Kaylin takes excellent notes, number one. Of course, she's a journalist. Um, I'm more emotional, so I might write something down and then here's something I don't like, and now I'm pissed. So, you know, I'm not paying attention no more because I'm so mad on that thought. That's why I'm glad I have Kaylin because Kaylin, she's catching every little detail and she's good at holding her composure and all of that. Um, From there, we just been on the background being like, I mean, we're not private investigators. We're not paralegals. But the two of us have pretty much been doing that work because we really, from what we see, there's no reason for them to be holding Matthew. We've reached out to um, activists everywhere. Every time we see an activist, you know, we tell them the story. We've reached, I've reached out to the news media. We couldn't get them to come out. They weren't interested because they had already painted the picture that Matthew was guilty. Um, Angie had requested that I reach out to the NAACP. I'm a member and I couldn't get them to come. I'm also on Al Sharpton's national crisis team and I couldn't get them to get involved. Um, both to, both of their excuses was like mine initially was the um, discovery. Because if you know we get the discovery and we find out that he is in fact innocent, guilty, excuse me, and we've been saying all over the country that he's innocent then we kind of made our own organizations look bad. So, you know, with us going into the courtrooms, and I keep reporting back to them like, hey, are y'all coming? Are y'all going to help us with this? But, you know, we pretty much get nowhere with that.
1: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KBOO Community Radio. If you're enjoying this conversation, please share your support for this program and all your favorite KBOO programs by donating to KBOO's end of the year drive today at kboo.fm slash give. KBU is community supported and community focused radio. Thank you. Um, we're talking tonight with um, Kaylin, um, Angie, and Demita about the case of Matthew Baker Jr., an innocent man who is accused of um, murder in Georgia. So, in capital cases, when it's not really clear why a suspect is being charged, uh, normally you're looking at the district attorney. I mean, the district attorney is normally the person who's kind of holding the bag. And I'm just wondering what is the story of this district attorney and Henry County and what role does racism play? What what role does race play in cases like Matthews and Henry County and in Georgia broadly?
3: From what I do know, well, Darius Padillo is black. He's a black district attorney, but the county, Henry County is white ran. So the power in the county is majority white. In my opinion, some of the people who, who tragically lost their children on this day are powerful. And I don't know why they just won't accept that Jacob did this with no help, that he just, you know, his schizophrenia kicked in and he just started shooting everybody. I don't know why they, they want to see Matthew go. As well, And, you know, Jacob got four life sentences, but Matthew is facing a death penalty. Mm-hmm. Racism is the only thing that we can think of, but I try not to pull the race car because that's what they always expect us to do. But we really don't have no other answers in this case. I don't know, maybe um, Angie might know more. That's as much as I could find out about this county.
5: That's pretty much, um, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. It is really the fact that there's, four white kids have lost their life. I mean, I I don't like to pull the race card either, even though my, all my children are biracial, but at the same time, the facts are you have one white person that is admitting to the whole entire crime that said that they are the one that done it. They've said it, he said it multiple times um, at different hearings that we had um and you also have three white kids that did not get the same charges that um Matthew has gotten and they were present at the time they might not have been present at the time when the kids got shot but they were there on the scene so the way Demeter the was explaining the accessory law if they're trying to apply the accessory law to Matthew, then the accessory law needs to be applied to Kayla, Brooke, and Jacob Williams as well because Matthew didn't have a phone but Brooke had a phone. So, Brooke was the one that was taking Jacob back and forth. Matthew didn't have a car. Kayla had a car. Um, And Jacob Williams was just a, a bystander or whatever. He was just at the house. The night that all this happened, I was at the house for a quite a while even when they came back Um, and Matthew was getting ready to go to bed he had no no intentions on leaving out the house anyways so that's why I am a vital person even though I'm his mother and everybody says oh yeah she's probably gonna fight for him anyways and think he's innocent but I'm a witness I can give him an alibi of where he was at prior to and what his demeanor was prior to all this happening and what was going on with him because I told him, come back, be back at the house because I had something I needed to do and he was there like I told him. So therefore, he did follow my instructions so he wasn't being a disobedient child. Even though he left out the house after I told him not to, but his sister was old enough to be there by herself. It was just prior situations that had happened to her that she was scared to stay home by herself. And that's why I told him, don't leave her. Unattended. I'll be back early in the morning. This county, the only thing that I can think of of why they're trying to charge him with this is, <clears throat> so I overheard, this is hearsay, but I'm still going to put it out there, that Detective LaCroix, um, and he did make some similar statements to me the night that they came back to the house to serve a warrant at, at my house, that um, he had been looking at Matthew anyways. He had been looking at all my kids. Uh, well, just my my two boys. But he had been um, looking at Matthew and supposedly um, Matthew's name had been brought up in several people's conversations and stuff like that of him doing home invasions, which was not true. And um, he also stated that he believed that Matthew robbed the gas station by our house which was not true um because they sent out they put out a bolo and the guy that's on the bolo looks nothing like matthew but the way i took it is so what are you trying to say all black people look alike um when they came and did the warrant and served the warrant at our house they came in and they left out with nothing so there's there again there's no evidence on him um When this last time we went to court, they had Kaylin. Was the lady who the lady was? What was she that came? I believe her name was Jennifer Green,
4: and she was one of the people who would take major case prints, gun residue tests, and photographs of people from the crime scene to kind of, I guess, match their DNA and testing and stuff to make sure that they either were a match to the crime scene or they weren't. And they said that, well, she said on the stand that she did not collect anything from Matthew that connected him to the scene.
1: Thank you. Um. So, Demita, what are some of the next steps? What's What's happening next? And what, uh, more importantly, I think, what can people do, like people who are listening right now, if, if they'd like to support Matthew, if they wanna learn more about the case and how to get justice for Matthew, um, how can they get involved?
3: Well, to get involved um on change.org you can put matthew baker jr in the search and his petition will come up um i believe kaylin's article is also attached to the petition if not when you google it it automatically comes up and it's a very detailed article about the case um you can go on social media um angie's um instagram is team matthew right um, I share his story on, on mine, but I share other cases too. So the to continuous a sleeper.
5: Um, my Instagram page is one love team, Matthew, and I do have. Um,
1: Can you spell that it, out, please, Angie?
5: Yes, it's the number one and L-U-V-T-E-A-M-M-A-T-T-H-E-W.
1: Thanks, and that's on Instagram?
5: Yes ma'am. Um, I really hate that Demita has been exposed to the things that she's been exposed to. She's gotten uh, death threats um, by multiple different people just for um, support Matthew or just trying to really educate people period.
1: Thank you and uh, Kalen, uh where can people um, where can people find your story on matthew and how um, how can they uh, learn more about your research into his case
4: sure so i um i don't really use my instagram account but i have the petition in my bio it's k-t dot acrylic as an acrylic paint and you can also go to honeysuckle magazine if you type in matthew baker jr the article will pop up um, it's the only one so far and i'm working on the follow-up that will release more details, including um, some information from the camera footage that we were shown in the motion hearing two weeks ago. And also, if you just type
1: in Matthew Baker Jr., the article will come up, too. Thank you. We've been talking tonight with um, Kaylin, Demita, and Angie about the case of Matthew Baker Jr., an innocent man accused of murder in Georgia. Thank you so much for being with us on Prison Pipeline. Um, my heartfelt um, sympathies and best wishes go out to you Angie for you and your son that um, that he is uh, cleared and also that he is um, you know, somehow compensated for the suffering that he's been through the last five years. Um, you're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KBOO Community Radio. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Is there any last words you'd like to share before we go?
5: Yes, um, I want to let everyone know that if they're, if they want to follow this, um, they can go onto YouTube. There is a link on there um, that you can type in. Why isn't anyone talking about Matthew Baker? Um, Someone I don't even know, Um, just by sharing his story on social media, they um, did a video that tells the same, the whole story, same thing that Kalen had um, stated. There's also um, all the court proceedings so far, as far as um, the arraignment hearings is on there. Uh, Even Jacob, um, when he went to court and they did his plea hearing, and um, he pled guilty or whatever that's on there. Um, So people can watch that and see what happened in court. Um, And then Matthews, uh, the last court proceedings we had If you go on Henry County Superior Court, it's courtroom D and you can watch um, the court proceedings from the last uh, couple of times that we've been to court and even Matthew's statement is on one of those. So it's kind of foggy in some parts of it, but people will be able to hear from him, his own statement that he's innocent. I'd also like
4: to, sorry, I'd also like to add on to that. um, If you wanted to hear a bit more of the nitty gritty details of it, Angie and myself were just on Lunchtime with Anna. If you type it into Facebook, her podcast um, live should show up. And we're basically just going through step by step everything that we saw in court, all of the information that we've gathered about the case and all of the facts into every single thing, every single plot hole and every single overlap that's going on.
5: Yeah, and I didn't even think about the um, thank you, Kayla, for bringing that up, but the first very first podcast I did with Demita uh, that was very interesting. Uh, we got so many negative calls, uh, death threats, um, interesting people calling in, uh, people that were behind the scenes, that were trying not to be behind the scenes and got pointed out um, like Jacob sister commented on a couple of things in there. So um, the podcast that I did with Demita would definitely show um, how severe this case is as far as getting it moved out of Henry County.
1: Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I really appreciate your taking the time to uh, be on the show tonight and sharing your story. Um, I'd love to have you back on maybe in a few months. As a follow-up, um, and Dimita, if you have any other cases, um, stories that you want to pass my way, please do. Um, I'm always happy to do uh, these kind of stories. So thank you so much.
3: Thank you, and thank you for all the work thank you do in the community.
1: You're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KBOO Community Radio. I'd like to remind you that this is a great time to become a member of KBOO. Show your support for Prison Pipeline and for KBOO by becoming a KBOO member today. Just go to kboo.fm slash give. Help us meet our $45,000 end-of-the-year drive goal. We're community-funded radio, so we need your support to get there. Just go to kboo.fm slash give or text kboo to 44-321.
2: genre. A place where quality is key. It's important for the world and future generations to understand the power of art and music. Ultimately we are doing our part to carry on tradition. Tune into Passing Sound, the first Saturday of each month at 10pm on Kebu Community Radio 90.